Hello, everyone listening in. This is the Underheard Word, where we highlight articles that may not make the biggest headlines, but they will make you think. My name is Jeff. And my name is Amy, and we are your hosts. Be sure to follow us on all of our social media accounts. Uh, Links are in the description below. And during any of our sessions here, feel free to add a comment, suggestions. We do read them, and we look forward to your feedback on our opinions and your opinions of the articles we discuss in general. Absolutely. All right, so what do we want to start with tonight? Ooh, do you have a, a good one? I, I have I have an interesting one. This is actually a little bit on, it, it, it came out a few days ago, but it's interesting because even in a few days, there's so many changes in, in these COVID pandemic guidelines. But, no kidding. Um, so this one from a few days ago, it's out of Eyewitness News 3 in Connecticut. CDC's suggestion to cancel football banned in nearly every U.S. school called unrealistic. Now, I did find I did read this article before the the uh, before England actually lifted all of their COVID bans. So when I read this, I kind of was thinking, well, you know, what what are these new guidelines now? But it, it will be interesting to see how this this develops. You know, I do, I do welcome the news over in England. I think that's terrific that they're lifting all of these mask mandates and passports. I, I, I'm actually surprised the U.S. hasn't followed suit yet, but it, it seems like the, the closer and closer we get to the end of this pandemic, the harsher and harsher everything is trying to clamp down on us. So I, you know, I, again, this article, I came across it before the, uh, the news coming out of England, but just to kind of reflect what's going on in the US, there hasn't, there hasn't been any changes to this article, but I'll get into the, the depths of it now. So um, the article begins and it's, it is by um, Elizabeth Cohen, a CNN senior medical correspondent. And she writes, if, if the scientists at the US Centers for Disease Control and Prevention had their way to curb the spread of COVID-19 right now, nearly every U.S. school would cancel football, wrestling, band, and loads of other mainstay school activities. So, you know, in another piece of guidance, the CDC has recently told people who recovered from COVID-19 that they can leave their homes after five days. But while they are out and about for the next five days after that, they should avoid being around more than 80% of the public. So the uh, the main comments in these articles from people being interviewed is, you know, we, we understand the situation, but this is unrealistic. You really do expect that schools cancel these extracurricular activities, which are, you know, it's, it's hard enough right now with, with the increased, you know, mask mandates and everything and the, the reversion back to Zoom school classes and everything that now you know, they want to take it another step further and cancel these extracurricular activities. A lot of notes in the article kind of go back to saying, well, the CDC can't seem to make up its mind what they want us to do for how long they want us to do this. And this, this has been a critique pretty much since the, the pandemic started. I mean, at least after that, that initial two weeks to maybe two months, you know, it's, it's like every other week, the CDC or, or some other institute was changing their minds about what was actually happening, what was actually stopping the spread versus what was like going too far with with these mandates. So just a, a couple uh, comments here that uh, CNN asked CDC Director Dr. Rochelle Walensky about guidance in a statement. Uh, Walensky said the agency 
prioritized academics over athletics because of the increased risks involved in some extracurricular sports. So this is kind of a, um, a follow-up as to say, well, you know, if you're, why aren't you canceling things like math club or, you know, a, a book club or more, you know, classes or anything? Because whether you're in a sport or a choir or band, you're still going to be around people. Why are athletics and musical extracurricular activities kind of being singled out to not everything? So her response was, again, you know, because they actually want to prioritize things like the actual academics of classroom over the athletics. So, but the, the problem, part of the problem, some say, is that the CDC scientists in of themselves are stuck in a bubble. Got nerds, literally science nerds, who are writing these things, said Dr. Otis Brawley, who worked with the CDC on cancer guidance while he was chief medical officer at the American Cancer Society from 2007 to 2018. Brawley added, though, that the CDC is often in a tough spot. For example, it's clear that there have been documented COVID-19 outbreaks among choirs. And so on one hand, it makes sense to advise schools to stay away from these singing. But on the other hand, it's unrealistic to think that schools would cancel band, choir, and school musicals now or at any other period of high transmission. So he kind of has a little bit of sympathy there. It seems the CDC, no matter what they say, there's always going to be some issue with it, whether it's, it's unrealistic. That kind of seems to be the main crux of this is that you know, we, we often say the CDC might go too far in their guidelines. You know, there, there's a lot of, you can really dig yourself into a deep hole going into the CDC as far as like, you know, the changing of the definition of vaccination, you know, an anti-vaxxer, things like that. So he's trying to kind of convey a little bit of sympathy for the CDC, which, which I kind of understand a little bit. It's, it seems like no matter what they say, there's always going to be an issue of it. But I do think they hit on a good point here in that it's just unrealistic to expect these schools to really adhere to all the strict guidance, and especially now. And I, I think maybe if this had article had come out at the beginning of the pandemic, it might make a little bit more sense. But now with the Omicron just being so mild, uh, such a mild version of it, that, and then, you know, a lot of, there seems to be a growing consensus that we're all going to get it, that it's turning into an, uh, an endemic, I think, rather than a pandemic now. and. But there's still there's still these guidances coming out, and I, I personally I think that this is really heading in in a dangerous direction, almost a slippery slope, because what's where is the end of COVID and the beginning of say something like a cold, you know, or some other virus? I mean, there's um, or like a, something else that's transmission transmissible. What's to stop? I guess the CDC from saying, well, there's there was a, a cold outbreak in this one community. So now we have to, you know, uh, cancel everything here. So it, to me, this is kind of, I mean, I get that like the CDC is kind of tangled up in itself and no matter what they say, it's, it's going to be a bit, you know, not, not necessarily taken out of context, but just, it's always going to go too far. And I think that's the safer mindset to have actually, because you have to kind of, you know, use your better judgment as a person, you know, for your community, rather than just to have this, you know, sort of overhanging authority telling you everything that they should do without any understanding of how that's going to impact people around you, how that's going to impact your community and your school and your children. So those are, that's kind of my thoughts 
on this article. Um, do you have anything to add to that, Jeff? What are your... It's pretty much a damned if you do, damned if you don't sort of argument uh, that they're trying to give for like the CDC. Yeah, they're not going to be perfect. Nobody's perfect. Nothing's perfect. I do feel like their idea to try to ban particular events over all events is kind of odd, like you brought up earlier. But for me, at this point, we're all going to get it. And, you know, there's still the people that don't want to get the vaccine, regardless of your opinion on it. And whether you want to get it or not, everybody's got their opinions on the vaccine. Everybody's got their opinions on what how you should be handling this. But ideally, I mean, maybe it's time to just take the restrictions off and let people just decide what they want for themselves and just let it be and not have somebody over us being like, you got to do this. And then a week later, nope, you got to stop doing that. You got to do something else like that's you can't do the yo-yo effect with something like this. Right. Yeah, because then, then, and, and this, this has been a comment of the CDC as well, or of, like people have made comments of this, is that then people just get confused. Right. There's miscommunication. And unfortunately, you know, once one piece of information gets out, like the very first piece of information, that tends to be the gospel. <clears throat> that tends to be what people cling to and that's what they, what they understand as being the correct thing to do. So then there's, you know, two weeks later, there's a new guidance and then people start, they might question that and be like, well, okay, what happened to this other guidance? Why, why is it changing without really any explanation or, you know, insufficient explanation. And then, you know, another two weeks, three weeks later, it changes again. Right. And then you, that is just a setup for, confusing people. I mean, think of it as like you have a, a program at work that you have been trained on. Two weeks later, the protocol for that program changes. There's no real explanation why, maybe a software update, but nothing really detailed. Three weeks later, it changes again. A month later, it changes again. And you can, you never get to fully understand how that program works, why those changes have been made, and then it just becomes so much more confusing. So, so that's kind of my analogy for, for what this is. But another interesting part of this article was comparing this guidance to, so there was a, a foodborne illness breakout in 2008 um, when, when a man named Glenn Nowak was CDC's head of media relations. So it was really unclear, the article goes on, it was really unclear what made people sick, but one of the possible culprits was tomato. So Nowak, you know, being the head of media relations, asked, asked the agency's scientists, you know, if he wanted uh, to communicate to stop eating tomatoes. So it was, it was unclear exactly what was making people sick, but one of the possible culprits was tomatoes. So Nowak says the agency scientists wanted to tell Americans to stop eating tomatoes. Nowak responded with, that's quite a broad statement, considering tomatoes are almost everywhere, right. <laughs> very common food. So he asks what to, to maybe be more specific. Was there a particular type or, or origin source where the tomatoes came from that they should avoid? The answer he received back was round red tomatoes. The CDC told Nowak, communicate to the American public in 2008, Brown red tomatoes could be the cause of this foodborne illness outbreak. It wound up 
not being tomatoes, but being jalapeno and serrano peppers. So just this, so this, this isn't really the first time that the CDC has kind of miscommunicated yeah. something of critical importance to, to the public. While they, people had stopped eating tomatoes, they were still getting sick because it wasn't really tomatoes. Yep. So it was, um, so this isn't the first time that there has been a miscommunication from the CDC and just an unrealistic expectation from the U.S. public to, um, to stop doing some activity in the name of keeping yourself safe. So, so that's about it for this article that kind of where it, it wraps it up a little bit. It does, it does go into, you know, a little bit more detail about, you know, the CDC, a CDC communication specialist take into account whether the guidance that's being developed is truly practical. But for me, you know, again, just expecting, you know, taking classes by Zoom meeting is, is just, it's, it's so, it's just not the same. And you're already limiting students in, in their, in their social environment in that account. And for them to cancel things like sports and music, which are, are so critical in, in other ways for students. They're, they're more of, you know, at, you think of athletics being the very physical part of it, keeping your body and mind in shape. And, and music for so many is a creative outlet. And, you know, what brings, it's what brings them pleasure. And, you know, they, in, in these activities, they're with people who, who share, share these same, um, sort of sh share the same interests and are learning together. And it's, it's so important to, for kids to develop this way and for the CDC to just say, well, we would, ra we would rather all of these activities be canceled. Again, it's, it's highly unrealistic. And I think it just adds to the, adds to the entanglement that the CD self is continuously wrapping itself around. So those, that's my thoughts, Jeff, anything to add? No, I mean, just like I said earlier, it's, they, they make missteps. They do. You can't avoid it. Right. But it's um, just, how do you handle that? And yeah. will they ever really learn from their mistakes? And it doesn't sound like they really learn. It doesn't. Consider and this is all about learning. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So again, considering that this isn't the first time the CDC has miscommunicated something that a, a lot of people wind up paying for in some regards or another. I mean, as CDC is just a smaller organization. It's a small group of scientists trying to make these broad general restrictions for the entire country. And it's just, it's, it's in over its head. And it's just trying, I think, just trying harder and harder to think of whatever it can that might stick with people. And I think that that's, it's just too late for that. Yeah, education is very important and taking that out of the equation you, you can't really do that. Like, so you want to sacrifice like education for what? Removing the interpersonal and social aspects. Like you can't sacrifice education like that. Yeah, you can do it virtually, but it's not, it's just not the same. Right. Yeah. But then to go a step further and to cancel band and sports. Yeah, that's what I mean. It's like you can't. And you, you yeah. I mean, you, and you, you shouldn't really prioritize one or the other. Right. They're both equally important in in my in my mind yep anyway so agreed so what's what's next on our list well i got a little fun article from uh, deadline.com about the major 
mergers that are happening right now, uh, everybody's a little bit aware of the whole Microsoft buying Activision and Blizzard that made a very big headline. But what followed shortly after was a headline that nobody's really talking about a whole lot. But the Justice Department and the Federal Trade Commission are launching a review of their enforcement of merger guidelines. They're basically going to be revisiting basically the framework for how they analyze mergers because we've got all these that have been going on with like Facebook, Amazon, Apple bought MGM, that should be finalized soon. Um, Google, you know, a lot of these companies have been merging and, and working with other companies. Like, uh, what was it? The Discovery Network actually bought Warner Brothers and they're doing a merger of sorts. Yes. So that's pretty epic. But it sounds like what's going on is they're taking a look at all these major tech and media transactions and really evaluating how they've analyzed these before and how to prevent these from becoming any, any more worse than they are, because it could affect the consumers mm -hmm. to the point of, okay, now the, the prices are going to be getting jacked up and you want to avoid going down the road where you only have two companies and you're dealing with a potential monopoly right. on the industry. So it's getting a bit crazy. The DOJ and the FTC are really looking to evaluate like antitrust laws, things like that. We've brought up an antitrust law issue in a previous episode. So it looks like they're they're really looking to see what they can do to properly analyze and enforce the laws that are currently in effect. Right. Yeah. And there, there are uh, the DOJ and the FTC are seeking public comment on any proposed changes to yep. the merger gu guidelines right now. So, and it's, uh, it's also interesting that this is especially targeted towards big tech yes. companies. Um, we all, well, if you if you don't if you don't know now, we'll we'll tell you. But these big tech companies have only in the last two years gotten bigger and bigger, bigger, and there seems to be no restrictions on exactly what they can or cannot buy. I mean, they they've already had you know power over cancellation. They they pre and and you know power over which stories get told, which ones. Um, sort of get canceled or side sidelined a bit or very minimal, very minimal airtime, you could say. So this is this is actually, I think, critical right now for them to be looking back on these issues, not exactly the most well-versed in, in, you know, merger laws, probably because it, it pretty much varies depending on which companies are, are merging with which other ones. But um, for something like big tech, I mean, this act, this act really does need to be reined in and focused. Yeah, you can actually go to uh, regulations.gov if you have any comments about. So a snippet of the article is a criticism of existing enforcement has been its heavy emphasis on the effect that major transactions have on consumer prices, as you touched on a bit. The agencies said that they are particularly interested in whether the current guidelines underemphasize other factors like the impact a merger may ha have on the labor market, on innovation, product quality, and potential competition. 
They are also seeking specific examples of mergers that have made it more difficult for rivals to compete. So one, one factor in this is, you know, now, now Amazon is moving out into brick and mortar stores. They have, I believe it's like a food market or something where you can, um, I try to remember where it was. I believe it's in Seattle, but you go into an Amazon market store, you get a basket and I'm not exactly sure how, but you link your Amazon cart to this basket. You put items in this basket and you just like go through a small checkout and it automatically deducts from your Amazon account from whatever card is linked to your account. Amazon is also building a fashion outlet store in LA, mm-hmm. which allows people to go. You basically put something in, in your, it's not your cart, it's your dressing room. Oh. So you get to the store and you can try on things in your dressing room. And if you don't like it, you can put it on some sort of system that allows you to like trade in for a different size or a different color or things like that. So Amazon is expanding. They also have their own brand. They also have, they have their own brand of basics. I believe it's called. Yeah. Amazon basics. Right. They have the, I thought they had their own line of pet food too. And I thought they, I don't know if they ever did get their own line of supplements, but I know that they were working on it at one point too. So Amazon is becoming much more than a digital marketplace. It's expanding into other territories. And the thing is, is that if Amazon has its own outlet or market for all of these different items that you use every day, why, why should they sell any competitors on their marketplace? Why don't they just sell all of their own towels or all of their own, you know, cat food, all of, all of their own batteries? Why would they even offer that platform to any of their competitors? So again, for the, the DOJ and the FTC to invest, invest the time and resources to look into these laws, then, you know, I, I do welcome this news and then I do hope that, um, you know, that as our, as our, you know, the way we, we shop for everything changes, the way we get our news changes, you know, everything's moving faster and faster and these laws aren't keeping up right. with, with the way technology advances and the way technology, you know, makes things convenient for us, but also becomes a bigger part of our lives. So I, I do welcome, you know, this, this investigation and, you know, we'll, I believe they said it was going to take about 12 months. Oh yeah. And they're also looking like lawmakers are also looking to review like antitrust laws. That's going to be our process though, too, because you got big tech and like the department of commerce or something like that is joining forces to kind of fight against it. So welcome to the American political system where we'll, we'll see where the <laughs> chips lie in a right. few months and where the money goes. And yeah, what I, happens. I, I, I would actually be surprised if it was done in 12 months. <laughs> I, yeah. I, I have a feeling this is going to be a long battle as these tech companies just, and they're going to try and get bigger and bigger while they can. Oh yeah. Before I mean, any of these new changes or any investigations go into fact, they're going to try to get as big as they can. Right. So if you want to end on a little bit more of a, a light, a lighter article. What? Um, yeah. We don't want to talk about Amazon again. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> well, this is actually a um, an article about new innovations out there. So this this article comes from the Gadget Flow. It's by Lauren Wadowski. And the most innovative gadgets you can get for yourself in 2022. And by get for yourself, I mean if you have you know if you have about ten thousand dollars worth of you know just money lying around because that's you know pretty pretty normal. So uh, going going through the list, 
This is a great article, everybody. Everybody should definitely check this out. And it, it is kind of fun, but it, it does kind of make you question a few things. So oh, we'll, yeah. we'll go through a few items first, then we'll kind of bring out bring out our comments and thoughts on these. So one is called the uh, a buses lamp and high resolution resolution projector. So it's basically a, a light that just, you know, you hang on the ceiling, but it's almost like a smart light that you can use as a projector as well. So it kind of projects on your table. It's only $8,000. Yep. So you can use your finger as a mouse on the table and its images are in full HD. So hey, again, Star Trek, here we come. Yeah. Uh, $8,000. The other one is a Samsung Home Hub, which I think is just like an Alexa. It's I think so. That's what it looks like to me anyway. Yeah, it's just like a, a tablet. Yeah, I, I guess there's like a camera on it too. So it's, yeah. that's, that's, I wouldn't exactly call that innovative, um, but I think everybody's trying to get into that smart home right. industry a bit. The other one is Netgear Mural Canvas 2 digital frame. So to show off your NFT crypto art or regular art as high tech beauty. So it's basically, it's, looks like it's just a frame that makes whatever image is behind it high definition. It's about 400 bucks. Nothing screams digital than NFT, baby. <laughs> um, so the other one is, it's called the LG InstaView Double Oven Range Smart Cooking Appliance. Now we have a double oven. It's just basically a, a dual oven. It's got like two different ovens essentially just stacked on each other. I, I love it, but... The only thing I really see in this article that it says it does is it turns on the oven light if you knock on the door. Which is completely hilarious. <laughs> it, it, that's, it, I'm looking at this, it's like, is that the only thing this really does? Yeah, that's the only thing this does. It, I'm sorry, this is not innovative at all. Our cats are going to burn out that light right. in like yeah. a week because they like to stretch, stretch on up. the doors, rub up against it, right. everything. And so it's like these lights are going to be on like all the flipping time. Uh, this illuminate one, yeah there's no price listed on on this one it was probably wise yeah <laughs> yeah another one Kohler perfect fill smart bathing device you basically it's a digital faucet is what it is yeah. so you could just tell it to fill up your bath so do you need to spend twenty seven hundred dollars for a device that when you talk when you tell it to fill up your bath it fills up your bath because that's what this costs and that's what this does. I'm glad you don't charge me that much when you ask me to <laughs> run a hot bath for you. Just start, jeez. <laughs> yeah, that's that's really all this one does. So and and you know, yeah. there's I'm going through this list and I, you know, I was I had gone through this list earlier as my my thoughts were just coming back as to who exactly are are these products for? Who exactly are they in, innovating for? It is not the everyday no. American. This, okay, so next on the list is the Icon AI Sound Mirror Voice Activated Mirror. It acts as a control. It also controls smart gadgets and plays music. So it's a basically a voice activated smart home hub in mirror form. Prices to be announced. Yeah, I want to look at myself every time I want to control a smart gadget. <laughs> this other one, actually, I can kind of see doing it, but only if you're in this particular industry, it's a L'Oreal ColorSonic handheld hair color device. Ooh. So it's basically just a way to make hair coloring easier. It, it's a brush that oscillates, it's basically an oscillating brush. You put dye on it and just kind of colors your hair. At least that's what I think it is. Um, Prices to be announced. I can definitely see that maybe if you're 
running a high-end salon. I don't know about the everyday person or how, maybe it depends on how often you color your hair. Price again to be announced. This one I actually have an appreciation for. It's called the Labrador Caddy and Retriever Assistant Robots that move stuff around the house, giving you a helpful extra pair of hands. I can definitely see where if you have limited mobility, um, if you're in a wheelchair, if you're handicapped, where this would come in handy. It's basically a little robot that follows you around and carries things for you. That's not a bad, yeah, I, I don't mind that one like at all. It's 1500 which isn't too bad of a price either, I think, for kind of like something to just basically follow you around, help you carry stuff or help. Yeah, yeah. I can definitely see that. Some of these prices, can, eventually, uh, if they keep working on them through the years, they'll come down and be reasonably priced at some point. Yeah, then they can follow set routes and have specific stops and helping you move small and large objects from room to room. I think I think it is more designed to be more of a, an assistant, like a, like a little personal assistant. Yeah. Or if, again, if you have limited mobility, if you have limited strength, Definitely that one's that one I can definitely see. Oh yeah. The other one's just like a laptop. It's a business laptop. Nothing too innovative with that. This I think this last one on the list though, it's a uh, LG, I believe it's pronounced Cloy guide bot that can serve as your business information desk, guide visitors to a specific location in a store. So I actually have seen those cleaning robots in Woodman's. Once in one of our local oh. grocery stores. I've seen those cleaning robots. It scared the crap out of me. I don't remember hearing about this. Oh, I, I where was where was this? I'm trying to think of which location it was, but oh. yeah, I kind of just like turned around and it was there. Oh, okay. It kind of it just startled me a bit. I was just kind of taking a bath. Like, what is this? Thing? I'd be like, what is Robbie the robot so doing these, in here? I oh mean, my god. This might be more than it, it looks like it's more geared towards businesses yeah so it's it's kind of and i have seen those two where like instead of like there being a receptionist at the desk you have like just a little tablet where you print out a name tag for you it sends a text or email out to your contact letting you know they're there that they're there so i can you know definitely see something like this maybe more for a business yeah that makes um, sense price again to be announced so again you know it was kind of a fun list to go to but as i'm reading some of these it's like who is this innovation actually for is this actually hmm. innovation who is it targeting to be honest it's not me it's, no no it's not even most americans i think and i have a hard time accepting that half of these are even innovative anymore if this is what innovation is it's really you're not really breaking ground for making life easier or giving something people giving people something that is useful and it's it's just to me like it's neat but it's it's not innovative and it's nothing i could even probably afford or want to afford if i had this type of money i probably wouldn't buy any of this oh yeah what was my comment the other day lifestyles of the rich and for the worthless like <laughs> For the items that really have no value to like most people in general. Right. Yeah. So again, just kind of like a fun little list to wrap up tonight's podcast. Yeah. I think that's, that's all I have comments on Jeff, anything to add to any of these? No, but clearly I don't make enough money to afford like even, you know, even the most interesting thing on there. Yeah, which really isn't all that. Which is fine. <laughs> it's fine. But, um, all right. Yes. Yeah, so but again, you, 
Thanks for tuning in to the Underheard Word with uh, Jeff and Amy. Again, be sure to follow us on all of our social media accounts and leave your comments and thoughts, you know, down below. We, we do read them. We do look into them. And, you know, if, if there's any corrections that, you know, we think you think we might have may just call them out. And again, uh, looking forward to having you join us again.